This is the Lions Edge presented by BetMGM Thursday, April 14th. We're talking about noon Eastern. Andrew Doughty, Colton Poole, Chase Kitty on the Lions Edge presented by BetMGM. Doing a little bit of NBA talking, guys. I uh, went into some notes before we hopped on here. The last NBA games that I watched. February 20th, 2012, Timberwolves at Nuggets. I was in attendance. January 5th, 2011, Bobcats at Timberwolves. I was in attendance. Those are the only two NBA games that I have watched in their entirety since Kevin Garnett was traded on July 31st, 2007. Bet you didn't think you were going to get Bobcats talk on this episode of the Lion's Edge. Chase and Colton actually know what they're talking about here, so I will moderate. We're going to go through some NBA playoff odds. Uh, Chase, I would imagine that I was thinking back to the episode that we did uh, last year around this time. We went through like some serious odds, just some general... NBA futures betting because I know that NBA futures get a lot of attention during the season, but I feel like when the playoffs start, we're paying more attention to the lines of actual games. But I'm sure you have some comments just on general NBA futures strategy. You and I talked a lot about that throughout the NCAA tournament. Uh, I think when it got to the Elite Eight or the Final Four, we, we discussed a lot about putting a little bit on North Carolina at that price. I think they're at plus 450 or plus 500 somewhere in there. And how that makes sense if you were taking North Carolina against Duke in the Final Four. It does make sense to sprinkle a little bit on the top. Where do you guys want to start here? Because I know we're not going to do like a whole lot of play-in tournament. That's still going on. You guys had to uh, explain how the play-in tournament actually works to me about five minutes ago. So I'd appreciate it if we wouldn't talk about the play-in tournament. But we can talk about some of the series odds that are on here. Is there a particular series that either of you think is more interesting from a betting perspective than the other ones where we should maybe start. The one that I think is, uh, you know, I, I guess in a lot of ways is kind of interesting to me is uh, Celtics Nets 2-7. Uh, I think the Nets have been one of the top five, top three best odds to win the championship all year. Right now, the Celtics are minus 140 to win the series. I mean, if you like what you saw in that playing game from the Nets, a pretty thorough uh, defeat, I, I I think the Nets have a really good shot of taking that series, especially now that uh, Kyrie can can play all the games. Really fascinating series considering, you know, how the Celtics started the season on a really low note. And then from there, you know, had this really great turnaround around the uh, All-Star break. They're missing Robert Williams now, so that uh, is a you know that that's a factor there too. So yeah, it's a great starting point because I mean, first of all, just the pricing has been really interesting. Uh, there are some places where some books actually open the Nets as the favorite in this series. Uh, BetMGM did not, and pretty much a flood of money came into the market and, and pushed the Celtics up to where they are right now, which is uh, as a minus one forty favorite, but. Even as a small favorite there, that's newsworthy that you have a two seed as a minus 140 favorite over a seven seed. That tells you how much interest there is in in the Nets, in Brooklyn, in the Kyrie, Kevin Durant offense. My issue is it's it's such an opening to bet on the Celtics, even at minus 140. Like I'm loading up on the Boston team here. I, I think the Nets, it's great that they have two awesome players. And when when Kyrie is right... I mean, he was 12 for 12 at one point in that play-in game the other night against Cleveland. When Kevin Durant is right, we all know what those two can do. That's not the problem. The problem is everything else around them. And if if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving score 80 points every night, 80 points, that's a lot of points 
and let's let's give it to them. Let's say they do it. They're still going to have to score maybe 40 or 50 points from the rest of the team because of how poor they are on defense. And that, I think, is where Boston is going to find success, both in terms of how effective they can be offensively against Brooklyn's defense, but also how defensively they're going to gum up the works and make it really hard for everybody else on that roster not named Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. How is that affected by Ben Simmons, him possibly playing? I would not. I, I think the Ben Simmons stuff is hilarious. Like, he hasn't played in a year. He's afraid to take shots in, in like, significant postseason moments. Wouldn't need to take shots in this in this offense, though. Well, I mean, maybe, but, like, you're counting on a guy that hasn't played basketball in a year to come in and be effective on a team he's he's literally never played with. He's never played minutes for this team ever. So I, I, I think the idea of Ben Simmons coming off of the bench or, or what he could be is a lot more powerful than what he actually is on the court. I I would think you would you would see much more effective minutes from from Robert Williams in this series than you would from Ben Simmons. And obviously both statuses kind of up in the air. I'm looking at it this way. I mean, I, I looked at the records for both teams since the All Star break, which is you know sort of when Boston started to figure their stuff out, and that's obviously when the Nets around the time that the Nets. Uh, lost James Harden in the trade, and so they kind of got rid of their Harden-related baggage. The numbers I have for that, Boston, since the All-Star break, 17-5, and five, best record in the NBA. Brooklyn, since the All-Star break, 13-11, and 11, the 14th best record in the NBA. They are an average team since the All-Star break, 14-11. and 11. I'm sorry, 13-11. Uh, I looked at, I was, I was talking about how poor Brooklyn's defense has been, how good Boston's defense has been. I didn't want to just like let that sit there and have no numbers to back that up, so I did a little digging. Uh, a little digging, excuse me. Uh, that, those are two different things. Uh, opponent effective field goal percentage. Boston first in the league since the All Star game. Brooklyn twelfth in the league. So that is a bottom half playoff team that Brooklyn has been defensively. I just don't believe that two players are going to be enough to beat what has been arguably the best team in the NBA since the All Star break. So not only do I like Boston minus 140, I mean, you could have got in on this early and basically got Boston as a pick I would actually be looking at some of the series spreads for Boston. Not only am I loading up on the Celtics at minus 140, you can get the Celtics minus one and a half at a series price. So basically what you're saying is they are going to win in six or fewer games. It's the Boston Celtics will win and it won't go to a game seven. They'll win in six or fewer Boston minus one and a half at plus 145. I really like that. I, I honestly, I kind of want to go Boston minus two and a half, which is Boston winning in four or five. But it, that, the risk there was just not enough for the, for the payoff I was getting. I thought I should have gotten a better price for that. I just, I feel really, really strongly about this series and one other series that just the, the price is, doesn't quite match up with what the teams are. I want to go back to, I know that you guys were mostly talking about Ben Simmons in the context of actual basketball and the idea of him coming coming off of the bench, but I mean, Chase, this feels like a conversation that we've had so many times where a, a player or the idea of what a player could do, at least in your opinion, is extremely overvalued because if if you don't believe that Ben Simmons is going to be a factor in this, but it, it seems like, and I'm not plugged into the NBA, but it seems like the narrative surrounding Ben Simmons and what he could possibly be, be the secret weapon off the bench for the Nets. 
it seems like that's driving the marketplace a little bit. I mean, even if you look at NBA Finals odds, and that's are to win the NBA championship, that is, and that's are plus 800, Celtics plus 750. So there's really not much of a difference there. So if you don't see Ben Simmons making any sort of impact in this series or a marginal impact at best, I would imagine that's going to play into your hands quite a bit in terms of finding value on the Celtics here. Because if people actually believe that Ben Simmons is going to be a factor here and you don't. Yeah, but I think I think Simmons, kind of to Colt's point earlier, I think Simmons gets thrown in as an afterthought. Like, oh, and don't forget about Ben Simmons. And it's like, I'm, I'm kind of willing to forget about Ben Simmons at this point. Like he, he hasn't played all year. All year. The last time we saw him was in the playoffs last year, and he was completely ineffective. So why am I afraid of him? That's that's the whole thing. There are other reasons. Like when, when Colton talks about Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, like he is completely correct. Like I be deathly afraid of those two guys. And and in this era of, of not just the NBA but sports, one of the themes we see is good offense beats good defense. So you have to respect what those two guys can do. That's why I say uh, I'm willing to take the Celtics in six or better. I'm not necessarily willing to take the Celtics in five or better because I'm willing to think maybe the Nets can get a, a game or two that they, they probably don't deserve just based on how offensively skilled their two best players are. 74% bet lab, so across multiple books, 74% of the money right now, 55% of the tickets uh, on the Nets. Chase, what was the other series that you hinted at where you thought yeah, the price Yeah, this is kind of a, a completely different idea here, but Milwaukee-Chicago is the other one. Milwaukee is right now, I, I saw them open at a couple places as a minus 700 favorite for the series price, and I got money down right away. Right now, they're minus 1,100 at BetMGM. That number's still too soft, and I'll tell you, it's because there's no chance the Chicago's winning this series. None. Like, literally none. It It is not going to happen. I would stake anything on it. If it was minus 2,000, I would bet this. So, this is for, like, if you have a big bankroll, and you don't mind having a little bit of money sitting in escrow for 8 days, 10 days, like, this is a guarantee. I've got money on the bucks, on the series price. And like I said with the Celtics, I'm always ta- I'm also taking the Bucks on a series price. Bucks minus two and a half at minus one ninety. That means the Bucks are going to win in either four or five, and you're getting that at a one to two price. I am willing to lay that kind of price because I just don't think the series is going to be competitive. Not just because of the matchup, but because of who Chicago has been through the back end of the season. They just haven't been very good. Right. I remember the last time I did a pod with you, Chase, I, I think I was pretty high on the Bulls and I was so wrong. I wasn't uh, going to bring it up. But that, <laughs> yes, that I was so true. I was so wrong. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I the, the Bucks. I mean, they are <laughs> it is sports, Chase. So I don't know about zero percent that the Bucks uh, lose this series, but it's point zero zero one percent. Uh, yeah. And I, I agree with your mindset. I think, you know, what Giannis has done, who has been pretty underrated in the MVP discussion, just because he's won it a couple times now, he's been phenomenal and he'll continue to be in, in the first round of the playoffs. So I, I, I agree with your mindset there, Chase. Chase, let me ask you one question. This is something I know we talked about last year's episode. We we're, I was kind of asking you why you wouldn't take this, but if you're willing to take that bet, for example, uh, the Bucks right now minus eleven hundred, like you said. What's the uh, game one money line? Do you have that? Uh, I don't, but I can find it pretty fast. I bet. 
Bucks are minus 500 on the uh, game one money line. They're minus 1,100 to win the series. Wouldn't you at least consider taking the Bucks to win game one and the Bucks to win the series at minus 400? If you're willing to lay the 1,100, I mean, you're on the 700, but you said that the 1,100 still, fe- still, still feels soft and the money line for game one is at the 500. And I get that we can get into the math aspect of it, but if you're so willing to do that, how strongly would you consider just taking the Bucks to win game one and the Bucks to win the series. And this is a, a separate bet. We're not doing a parlay here at BetMGM. This is series betting. You can just place one bet for the Bucks to win game one and the Bucks to win the series at minus 400. Because how you feel about the Bucks, is there anything behind taking that bet that would make sense from a betting perspective? I mean, does it make sense? Yes. Why I personally am not doing that is because I'm already on the series price at an aggressive number of minus two and a half. So the idea that that the Bucks are going to win game one is sort of mathematically baked into the idea of taking the Bucks at minus two and a half games on the series. And playing it this way, where I have a minus 190 price versus playing it that way, where I have a minus 400 price, I get a much better price here. And I have the leeway of maybe maybe the Bucks lose that game one. I, there was a, a Celtics series a little while ago, a couple years ago in the playoffs, where the Celtics came out and they kind of shocked the Bucks in game one of the series with a surprising game plan. And then the Bucks won the next four games and they win the series in five. So you're, you're kind of insulated against an outcome like that when you play it the way I have while also getting a better price. So that I think just more advantages to the way I've played it. But what you're suggesting makes sense as well. So where are we going next? Looking through some of these props, do we want to talk about the uh, top point scorer in this Sixers-Raptors series? Scotty Barnes sitting there at plus 15,000. Tobias Harris at 5,000. Uh, my boy Gary Trent Jr. at 5,000. I mean, we could go any. We could go anywhere here. Where do you guys want to go with this? Well, I think that's the series we should go to next. I don't know about highest scoring player because, uh, I mean, that... I don't know if I'm I'm betting on Scotty Barnes for that particular uh, distinction, but I do think it's one of the most fascinating series available because of the price. Uh, the Sixers are sitting there as a minus 200 favorite. This is technically a 4-5 matchup, but it, it feels like there's more disparity between the teams than that because of who Philadelphia has been and how they've been talked about for most of the season. They, they have been put there in the competitors in the East sort of uh, niche along with Miami and Brooklyn and, and, and Boston and Toronto has been kind of an also ran. They have been like, Hey, they're good. Hey, they're a playoff team. But I, I think that's shortchanging Toronto and how competitive they could be in this series. And I think the price, when you look at the Sixers at, at minus 200 and the Raptors at plus 165, I think the price is sort of giving you a little head nod toward that. This is not going to be a walkover for Philadelphia. We had somebody uh, from, from our trading team share with us today that somebody put a $62,000 bet on the Sixers. And I, I saw that on, on the series price, I should say. And I saw that and went, man, I don't know if I like that because Toronto's 3-1 and one against Philadelphia this season. If you look at uh, their record since the All-Star break, Toronto's 22-11, and 11, Philadelphia is 20-12. and 12. So it's just like, this is going to be a more competitive series than people realize. And I think the prices are really nodding toward that reality. I think the Sixers win this series, but a big bet like that would certainly make me nervous. I think the Raptors have too much fight 
uh, and are too well balanced to let uh, you know like a, a easy sweep uh, happen. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I really like um, you know what the Sixers have done and what they're capable of doing. Uh, what Embiid has done is just phenomenal, uh, and he's going to be tough to defend no matter who you throw at him. Uh, and that's a whole nother discussion for the Raptors, who are ninth in defensive rating. So you know they're they're going to be pretty good and able to maybe slow down that offense a little bit. But I I, I still think the Sixers uh, you know walk away with a win here. Um, I I think you framed that conversation right, Chase. That you know the Sixers are are it's a four or five, but they're in a different tier, and I, 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 I don't know how, how they'll fare if they face the Heat in the next round. Um, I might even like the Sixers in that one too, but I, I, I do think that it, whoever made that bet is gonna be is gonna be a little bit more nervous than they might think they are going into it. I, I think the economic argument for the Sixers is, hey. I don't care so much about what happened in the regular season series. I, I don't care about some of the numbers. I care about, uh, you know, Colton said stars matter. Well, Philadelphia probably has the two best players in this series. So if if you like Philadelphia, you could argue that this is a great buy low spot because of the matchup and because maybe some of the tea leaves say Toronto is going to be more competitive, but ultimately Philadelphia's talent is going to win out. I just, I look at this series and I look at that team and see it as a team that had to give up too much to get Harden. And it's great that you have Harden, who I think is overrated, but obviously still a very good player. I just don't see them as competitive of a team as they were earlier. I think giving up Seth Curry really hurts their spacing. Um, I, I'm not betting this series. I am staying far away. If I was going to bet it, I would take a shot with Toronto. Just because, if nothing else, I feel like it puts you in a good position down the line. I think they're going to be competitive. I think they're going to win some early games. I think this one's going to go longer than people realize, and maybe that gives you an interesting hedge spot late if maybe you get to a game six or a game seven and you can think about taking Philadelphia money line. Right, exactly. I I agree with that. I but you know I I just, I just don't know if I, there's enough for the Raptors that I'm scared of if I'm the Sixers. You know, I don't know if Siakam is going to take over a series. I don't know if Fred Van Vliet is going to take over uh, you know, any random game within the series. I but Embiid will dominate the whole series. Uh Harden will I I think the Sixers if they can find themselves in a bit of a, a offensive race to see, you know, just who can uh, you know, explode offensively the the most and more often in the series. I I think I like the Sixers being able to do that rather than the Raptors, uh, you know, controlling this series at their own pace. This is maybe a question for either one of you, because I think it's a question that goes beyond the bounds of strictly basketball. The Raptors win a title a couple years ago with Kawhi Leonard. He's like the central piece of how they win that, and then he leaves. A lot of the other pieces are still there. Van, 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 Van Vliet, Siakam, like a, a lot of the other central players are still on this team. How much uh, respect, how much credit, how much do you take Toronto seriously as a cast of guys that won a title just pretty recently? It wasn't that long ago. I was living in Richmond at the time, and I've only been here three years, so it wasn't that long ago. Uh, how much credit do you give them for that when you're talking about, hey, maybe we got to take the Raptors seriously in a matchup like this, when you know that they don't have the best player in the series? I'm kind of curious about that from a a marketplace perspective because 
as somebody who doesn't follow the NBA, but it doesn't seem like the NBA has a ton of parody, maybe more so lately than the previous 10 years or so. When the Raptors won that title, most unaffiliated NBA fans, meaning you weren't Raptors fans, most unaffiliated NBA fans were generally okay with that, correct? Like they were a generally likable team whom a lot of people were okay winning the title. So if we got to the point now, what did they win it? Two years ago, you said? Three years ago? It was the summer of 2019, I want to say, so. Side note, I learned that George Niang is on the Sixers, too, in case you guys didn't know that. I think he hit a three the other night. <laughs> he had 18 against the Bucks earlier this year. Anyways, our Big 12 guy there. Anyways, from a marketplace perspective, do you think there's anything behind the idea that people wouldn't mind seeing the Raptors win it again? Because they lose Kawhi and they still come back two years and win it again. So is there anything behind, I want to see it happen, therefore I'm going to bet on it? I don't think they're a public enough team for for some of that. I, I think you you've really gotta get into a very specific place with some of that. I know it exists, uh, but I, I don't think Toronto really exists in that space. I, I also don't know if you know how many people know that their best player is Siakam. I, I you know I think there's some visibility with the Sixers where you know anyone who even remotely follows the NBA knows who Joel Embiid knows who James Harden is. Um, I, I mean, Siakam's a great player. Don't get me wrong, and you know they they ha- and like Chase alluded He's to, really hot right now. Too. Yeah, that that, that right that's now. a great point. Yeah. That's a great point. But you know, I I, th- I think there's probably a little bit more visibility with uh, the Sixers. Ninety five percent of the money on the Sixers yeah. in Game One Dude, on that's that a spread. Wipe out, man, that's a forty five forty five percent of the tickets. Ninety five percent of the money. I know, Chase, you've been doing this a lot longer than I have, just generally. I can't remember a postseason game in a major pro sports league in which the I get that there are multiple books and some books are skewed. Maybe they have insight that others don't and all that kind of stuff. But I can't remember another playoff game in a major league in which one team has 95% of the money. I don't know another time that books have allowed it to get to that point. Granted, we're still at a point where only 5,000 bets have been placed on that, and we still have two days, and as you're both fully aware, most of the bets can be placed the day of, so I'm sure we're not going to tip with 95% of the money, but it's still telling that the books have allowed it to get to that point. Has it moved? Because it was at, what, five, and now is it at four and a half? I really haven't looked that much at the Saturday spreads yet, to be honest with you. I I, I was going to bet those pre-flops, so I don't even have a, a ton on on the spreads. I was looking more at series prices. Anyways, where else do we want to go? We have Mavericks, Jazz. I've been told that the Timberwolves are playing the Grizzlies. They is that, are. Is that so, correct? So, and so proud that, of you. So so proud of you. <laughs> yeah. And then it appears that the Golden State Warriors are in the playoffs. I don't know if Seth, uh, Steph Curry is there. I think he might be injured, perhaps, against the Denver Nuggets. Where do we want to go now? The listeners really getting a taste of what an NBA expert Andrew Doughty is today. Right. Um. I, Colton, I, I'm going to say how I feel about this, and you can go wherever you want with it or agree with me. I'm trying really hard to care about Warriors Nuggets and Memphis, Minnesota. I, I don't I don't care that much. I mean, obviously, I'm going to watch some of the Memphis, Minnesota games because I want to watch John Morant in the playoffs. Uh, I just I think it's they're kind of boring matchups. Uh, I'm I, Denver's not a very good team. I mean, Jamal Murray is not playing in the series. He's expected to be out into the summer. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. not playing in the series. It's, he's expected to be out into the summer. This is a bad team plus Jokic playing against Golden State. So I'm just not super interested in that as a series. I think some of the games and some of the individual performances will be very watchable and very entertaining. The series doesn't interest me that much. 
Not super interested in, in the Memphis-Minnesota series. I just want to watch John Morant play. Uh, so I'll let you disagree wherever you like, but uh, that's that's where I'm at with uh, this. Yeah, the Nuggets, I'm with you. You know, Curry, that's... The, the the his health is a is a concern, but you know even if he gets back, maybe like game three, game four, what have you, um, you know wh- whatever that looks like, I I still think Jordan Poole is gonna be awesome in that series. So you know at the end at the end of the day, I, I agree with you there. Uh, I'm I'm a little bit more interested in that T Wolves Grizzlies series than you might be. Uh, just watching that game, you know, I think I think they're a little bit more well rounded. You know, there's a there's like a fun chaos to that to that team. You're talking about Memphis. Me, talking about the T Wolves. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, after watching that play-in game, I, I think uh, uh, Charles Barkley said on the on the uh, you know post-game show that it's they're one of the like dumbest or one of the worst coach worst coach teams. But there's some good talent there. There, there's uh, I I. You know, Cat didn't exactly play well in that he like in, garbage in, in, in that, that game. game. Yeah. You know, based on what he did during the regular season, and I guess we'll see if he shows up in the playoffs. I I like what he can do, and man, I really fell in love with Anthony Edwards this season. Uh, what he can do as a pro, um, and and there's some there's some a little bit of talent there. Granted, you know the Grizzlies have been awesome for a reason. Uh, you know, Ja Morant, as as you said, as I think I wrote about earlier this season, he's been awesome. Um, so you know. But I think that there that series could be more interesting than a typical two seven. Uh, I would say this: I think it's going to be a kind of young team against an extremely young team, and there's going to be a lot of dumb shit that happens. Uh, that almost by law, it, it, that is how that series is going to go. But John Moran's probably going to be awesome, so uh, I, I certainly wouldn't say anything about that. I, I think, uh, and if it, and but hold on, just just really quickly, Chris Finch, uh, he's the head coach of the Timberwolves. Can we get research on that? Can we can we confirm yeah, that Chris can, Finch is the head? Can you guys grab that? How he handled the cat foul situation was not great. You know, leaving him in with five fouls, putting him back in early in the fourth quarter, so he wasn't in the game at all. You know, in the final stretch of the game, I that that, that was not exactly well handled. Um, and I guess we'll see if any of those any similar mistakes show up in this in this series over the course of four or five plus games. Um, but like I said, I think there's like a fun chaotic energy around this team that could cause problems for uh, the Grizzlies. Chaotic energy is definitely a nice way to describe a guy that has five fouls that early and gets put on the bench by his coach. That is, that is definitely one way you could describe that. Uh, jazz, jazz Mavericks is the last series two that we haven't talked about. And this is, I think, the the last remaining interesting series on the board. Uh, the, we we talked about uh, Toronto, Philly. We talked about uh, Brooklyn, Boston, which is, I think, far and away going to be probably the best series of, of this first round. But Utah, Dallas is interesting because of what has happened to Doncic with this injury. He's got a left calf strain, and because of that and the uncertainty around it, Utah is currently a minus three hundred favorite despite the fact that Dallas is the higher seed. So that's a really interesting dynamic. And in my opinion, it is totally marketplace-driven, totally fear-oriented. Uh, we don't know that Doncic isn't going to play in this series. I'm not even sure if we know definitively he's not going to play in Game 1. 
So the idea that you would pay three bucks to bet a Utah team because maybe Doncic is going to be hurt and can't play is insane. Um, Add in the fact that it's not like Utah has stacked up a bunch of amazing postseason runs. Like Dallas has lost to the Clippers two years in a row in the first round. But those were pretty defensible losses. And and Dallas is a better team this year. They have more around Doncic. He's a year older, a year more experienced. Utah, I mean, they get sauced trying to play Rudy Gobert in the playoffs. So to me, this is the clearest underdog bet on the board right now. If you're going to bet a dog, Dallas at plus 240 is an incredible buy right now. And you pretty much have to buy it now. Because if we get, I mean, maybe maybe you want to wait one game. Maybe Doncic sits game one, and then you can buy in on Dallas at a series price while they're down 1-0. That would be maybe getting the absolute best of the number, but you are taking a little bit of a risk there. That that is how everything plays out. But to me, this is this is such a buy on Dallas because the health thing is an unknown commodity and everything could turn out to be fine. Right. I think the waiting and and seeing, you know, maybe after a game one loss for the Mavericks, I I think that's that's the move because, man, everything runs through Luka on that team. Very heliocentric. Everything. And so when you when you take that piece away, man, you, you, you mentioned Gobert and that's it was that's a fair point that, you know, he's been less than effective at times during postseasons. But I don't really think that there is anyone on this Mavericks team that can make you pay for playing Gobert, and I and I think that this this Jazz team is savvy enough, is uh, and skilled enough to take advantage of those games that Luca is not playing. So even if Luca comes back and Utah's up, you know, one zero two zero two one, I you know I think the Jazz have what it takes to finish that series out. Um, but so that's all to say, going back to the original point, I think waiting and seeing, um, you know, when Luca comes back and seeing what the price is at that point, um, I think that's, that's the move. That's, that's fine. I think you can, you can feel that way about Utah. It's about price for me. And it's about like, yeah, maybe I like Utah because there's a question mark here, but then when you add in, well, if you like Utah, it's minus 300, not like a pick not, you know, because I'm not getting the better team with Utah. Dallas is the better team. I have to pay one to three to get the inferior team and hope that Doncic is messed up or take a risk with Doncic's health and get five to two. Like economically, I feel like Dallas, Dallas has to be the bet. Or you stay away from this because you can't bet Utah at this price. That that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I think I think ultimately the Jazz win, but for all the reasons that we mentioned, I there, there's too much uncertainty really to feel strongly. I guess that um, you know, no matter how this series plays out, Drew. If we weren't on camera, I would assume Andrew took a nap for this podcast. Just uh, just sitting over here trading some crypto and catching up on emails. <laughs> Hey, tune in to the next episode of the Lions Edge to find out who the coach is of the Sacramento Kings. Andrew will have that book report for you. Oh boy, it was it was Luke Walton. Is he still there? Luke Walton. I don't want to spoil the surprise. <laughs> boy, 
We are going to talk about NFL Draft next week, but we will open with the head coach of the Sacramento Kings. Maybe we can get him on the show, too. Friday night, Atlanta Hawks, two-and-a-half-point road favorite against Cleveland in the play-in game. Uh, if you're looking for a little baby play there, I would definitely be looking at the Hawks. They are the lesser-seeded road team favored, and Cleveland is 9-15 and 15 in the bottom 10 of the league since the All-Star break. Uh, just injury-wise, haven't been playing well. So there's there's your non-airhorn airhorn pick for you. Uh, you can you can throw the sound in now. That's it. We'll, uh, we'll be back next week to start some NFL draft stuff, do a couple of weeks of that, and then I would imagine we'll get into some college football NFL offseason stuff starting sometime in May, uh, late May, early June, going division by division, conference by conference. Thank you for listening to the Lion's Edge presented by BetMGM. 